All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems but getting therapy has its own problems too like finding the right therapist fitting into their schedule and of course the cost well better help can solve those problems it's totally online and built around your schedule it's surprisingly affordable too connect with a credentialed therapist by phone video or online chat all from the comfort of your home visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Welcome to the DFO Rundown Podcast with Frank Saravalli and Jason Greger on DailyFaceOff.com. Delivered by DoorDash. Welcome to episode 118 of the DFO Rundown. I'm Jason Greger. Well, Frank Saravalli and uh, Frank, we are, uh, what are we, three weeks left in the uh, in the regular exactly. season. Exactly. Um, you, I think Edmonton might have punched their ticket to the playoffs. They're seven points up on Vegas now with 10 games remaining. You've got uh, Austin Matthews on a, on a tear. Connor McDavid's on a scoring tear. There's lots going on in the, in the NHL. So uh, l- let's start... With um, with Austin Matthews and McDavid and, you know, Matthews obviously now chasing 60. He just set the Leaf record past uh, Rick Vive in spectacular fashion uh, with two goals. I think 60 is a no brainer. Can he catch Ovi 65, which is the highest uh, goal total in the last 25, last 30 years? I don't think so. I think I, I have him finishing at 62. There's. 11 games left. I mean, he's at 56, so he'd need nine and 11 games. I mean, with him, it's possible. He scored at a 0.8 goals per game clip this season. And if you factor in the last 49 games with 49 and 49, it seems eminently doable. I I just think at some point you're going to get a stretch. I would imagine of a few games where he just doesn't score. And uh, funny enough, McDavid needs uh, eight in, uh, or, yeah, he needs eight games, uh, eight goals down the stretch in his last uh, 10 games to, uh, to get to uh, 50. And, uh, you know, we're going to have Bernie Nichols on the show today, Frank, on the pod. He scored 70 goals and 150 points in the same season, one of only four players ever to do that. So we're going to talk to him about, you know, the excitement, but the pressure of chasing, you know, historic milestones, 70 goals. Not a lot of guys did that. Um, you know, 150 points, obviously not many players did that either. So uh, it'll be interesting uh, to see that. But you look at the at the Leafs, Frank, and they're they're putting themselves in like Tampa Bay. Are you at all concerned a little bit about how Tampa's played here the last few weeks? No, I asked this question to Mike McKenna on the daily Faceoff show this week. And my question to him was on a, on a one to 10 scale, what's your level of concern for the lightning? And I'm at like a three, like this team just, they can find a way to flip the switch. I, I honestly believe they don't care who they play, who they have to go through, whether they're starting on the road or at home, like none of it really matters to them. They've still got, in my estimation, the best goalie on the planet and Igor Shesterkin may be knocking on that door, but Vasilevsky's got the track record. 
They've got arguably the best defenseman in the world in Victor Hedman, certainly one of the top five and a really special and talented crop of forwards that know how to win. Like I'm not betting against Tampa. I'm just, if, if that's the play, I'll, I'm sitting it out. Okay. Um, the New York, speaking of Shesterkin, don't look now, but like we didn't think there was going to be much of a race, but suddenly the Rangers are then two points of the Carolina Hurricanes, Frank. Now, I know the Hurricanes have one game in hand, but, you know, suddenly first place uh, in the uh, in the Metro isn't the lock that we thought it was. Uh, no, it's not. And not only that, but I know Shesterkin rebounded on Thursday night with a 30 save shutout of the Pens. But his numbers in the last 10 games, really going back to early March, the last month have not been good. 10 games, 5-4-1, and one, 900 save percentage. So my question to you is, if we were looking at the Vezina, had he done enough already, still leading the league in save percentage at 935, but he was really up around 942. Has he sealed up the Vezina or is it up for debate with someone like Markstrom or Soros or um, Freddie Anderson? I think he's still the front runner, but you know, there's, they still have 11 games or the Rangers have 10. So he's probably playing another seven games. Um, I, I think, I don't think the, uh, I think the Vesna there's, I would say now there's more of a clear favorite and it's kind of maybe his to lose down the stretch. Whereas the Hart Trophy, I still believe, is wide open. I think the Hart Trophy is wide open. You know, we're talking about, you know, Austin Matthews just set the least record for goals. Well, Roman Yossi just set the Predators record for points as a defenseman. He got three more points last night. He's up to 87 points now. And um, he is three points shy of becoming only the ninth defenseman all time to score 90 points, Frank. And you look, he has 34 points in his last 17 games. Like, are you kidding me? Those, like, those are Gretzky-like numbers of the 80s, man. You're averaging two points a game for a defenseman. He, and, he led the entire league in scoring, if I'm not mistaken, in the month of March. Yeah. Like all positions ridiculous. So you look and, and he, like when I was looking at guys, like when Bobby Orr was scoring all his points, he had Phil Esposito, right? Coffee was scoring. He had Wayne Gretzky, right? You know, other guys, Nashville has no offense, Matt Duchesne, but they have Matt Duchesne. Like Roman Yossi is elite offensive numbers without an elite offensive player. Still on track for 102 points. Yeah, it's crazy. I, I know in another award, we thought Kel McCarr had run away with the Nars. It wasn't even a debate. I'm sorry, if Roman Yossi's getting to 100 points. Oh, he's winning. That's, yeah. Well, I think if he gets to 95, he wins. Like Someone asked me that. Does he, like, I understand the, the, the mental twist of 100 compared to 98 and 99. I totally get it. But, man, he scores 98 points today. Like to, to me, he's winning the Norris. And honestly, he's right in there, Frank, for the uh, for the Hart Trophy. Like what a season you think you've got. Connor McDavid's going to set career high in points. Now, I know it's not points per game, but career high in points. Matthews has his career high in goals and career high in points. Jonathan Huberto is career high. Roman, Yo like there's so many guys. Johnny Gaudreau going to reach 100 points for the first time. Like funny enough, Frank. Leon Dreisaitl has 50 goals and 100 points. He's only the 24th player all time to do that twice. And he might not finish top five in voting. And he's had that good of a year. He's going to be in top five on my ballot. Yeah. Mother. He just is. Like, he's been that good all season long. Oh, I agree. But somebody, so there's Huberto, there's Goudreau, there's Matthews, there's McDavid, there's Yossi, there's Dreisaitl. We're, you only, we only get five votes. You right? left off Kaprizov. Yeah, Kaprizov, sure, yeah. He, he's, it's, it's down to seven guys, and those are the seven for five spots. Yeah. For me. Like, it's unreal. Like this is, I've started like crunching all the numbers and I'm going to wait till the end of the year because you never know in 10 games. But I honestly, Frank, um, this is the toughest heart trophy vote. I could think the most close that I've ever been a part of. I totally agree. I think it's, and I'm allowing for almost any possibility over these last 10, 11 yeah. games. This might be the latest I submit my ballot. Oh, for sure. Because you want all the, the information, all the data you can find. And not to say that that, you know, provides for recency bias because of what happens late. I just think the awards voting is always shaded a bit towards the final 20 or 25 games of the season. Not because it's what's happening nearest. It's also just because everyone knows the games are the hardest to win compared to, uh, to earlier in the season.
And if, if conversely, if, if one guy has like a, a slow down the stretch, that might be the difference where it's like, cause people are so close right now. There's not, you know, I've seen people writing, Oh, so-and-so is the favorite for the heart and, and no offense. I just, I don't buy that. I don't, I don't see any clear favorite today for the heart. Yeah. That's I've been, I, I've done some Toronto radio the last week or two and everyone's well, Matthews is the favorite, the front runner for the heart. Like he may be, but he's not there yet. Like no one is. That's the point. That's at least the point in my ballot is like, I, I have not put any player into any locked in spot. Like I said, I've narrowed down the list, seven guys for five spots. And I have zero idea what order they're going to be in. I'm totally with you. I think it's a, it's going to be a fascinating down the stretch. Um, Another word for how much did like Jay Woodcroft in Edmonton, the change that that team has had his, you know, the, they've got the, the most points. They've got the fourth best points percentage since he was hired. You know, Mike Smith is playing better. Uh, now uh, you look at, at that team. What, what do you make of the, uh, the turnaround and the input that Jay Woodcroft has made in Edmonton? Because you just, he, he, I think Jack Michaels had it. Like there's only like seven coaches all time who've had more wins to start their pro career at the NHL level. It's been really impressive. And I think the confidence that he's also projected has been big. Um, I would love to understand and you're closer to it and would know way better than me how beneficial the other part of the coaching change was in this team's turnaround in the assistant coaches getting swapped out as well. Well, Dave Manson, uh, Dave Manson, you go back to his time in Prince Albert, where he was a defensive coach there for, for eight seasons, two different stints of four years. And, and Dave Manson, he took how he coached young defensemen, same into Bakersfield in the American league and and same in Edmonton, like Evan Bouchard is is a prime example. Tyson Berry, those two players, specifically Barry under Dave Manson has been infinitely better. And Evan Bouchard, who had his first ever three point game the other night, but Evan Bouchard is starting to, to use his six foot three body to shield guys better. You know, he's slowly coming around and being a better defensive. Now he's also paired with Duncan Keith and he doesn't have to play the top minutes with nurse. So I think that helps him. Like you're shielding him. You're putting him in a better position to succeed. But, but Dave Manson from the defenseman I've talked to that have, that have co- that got to play under him, whether go back to Prince Albert or in the American league, they love him. And Dave was hard. Like Dave was mean as a player, but he was very mm-hmm. skilled. So he has a real certain specific way he likes to to defensemen to play and that's what he encourages and he's and he's big on the the orders aren't a very physical defense score Frank. So he really encouraged his defensemen. They don't want to back in and, and get engaged in battles all over the ice. Cause they're not that big. Right. And they're, and guys like Bouchard six, three, but he's not that physical. So they've really changed how they defend in how they want their defensemen to attack up. And so that puts, they really force their forwards to help a lot on back pressure. But Dave Manson, if you watch how Edmonton defends in areas, watch how their defensemen try to attack guys before they can take advantage of their physical size. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Now, with all that said, and as good of a job as, as Woodcroft has done, I'm sorry, but the Jack Adams winner is, is in the Pacific division and it's Daryl Sutter. Yeah. I, it's hard. Oh I yeah. I wasn't saying Woodcroft is not going to win. That's made a bigger singular impact year over year than Daryl Sutter. That team in Calgary playing the way they are now versus what they were when he took over late last year is a, is a totally different team. Who do you think would be the other two finalists? I think, unfortunately, the one part about the Jack Adams and as writers, we don't vote on this, but the unfortunate part about the Jack Adams is that there's a lot of coaches that have done a great job that get overlooked because people say they have great players. Like Jared Bednar will be overlooked because people will say, Oh, Colorado, look at that roster. They're stacked, but people will forget the first few weeks of the season when they were calling for his head and they fixed it. They turned it around. Andrew Burnett has been great in Florida. He took over in what may be one of the most difficult situations you can. Your head coach resigns of an undefeated team, seven and O. Joel Quenville steps aside and they never missed a beat. Yeah. Rod Brindamore, another one, Carolina. 
you know, Todd McClellan in LA, you look at all the injuries on that blue line. Gerard Gallant with the Rangers, like the Rangers were, were no good. They've gotten the Gallant effect. No, no, no. I, I, honestly, I, I think there's a stacked list of, of candidates, but I can't think of one coach that's made a bigger singular impact on his team's identity than Daryl Sutter. And, uh, and, and he won't be in the category at all, Frank, but I want to say, I think that the job that uh, Don Granato has done to make Buffalo a much more competitive team, like look at the teams Buffalo has beat in the last three weeks. Right? Well, look at, look at how far back they are in the standings and, and how they're hanging tough, even against teams that are really good. Yeah. Well, Florida, the other day they were down what four, three, nothing or four, one. And they lost five, three, like they made it a game. That team has Carolina. no quit. Yeah. Yeah. They just beat the Canes, right? Four, two like that. They're and the, they get Owen power next year who I, I think this year gonna, they're getting him. Yeah. They're going to get him yeah. starting next week. Yeah. Well, Hey, speaking of that, Frank, what, what about the upset in the, uh, in the NCAA, the frozen four and uh, Michigan with all their top picks, Denver gets it done in overtime. What a game. Yeah. Uh, Chris Peters, is in Boston at the Frozen Four for Daily Faceoff. His story's up on dailyfaceoff.com. Go over and read it. Uh, he said this has the chance to be the best Frozen Four ever, and he may not be wrong. All right. Uh, let's bring in Tyler Uremchuk on a Friday. Uh, Ty, how you doing? Oh, he's got the Jays hat on MLB, baby. Oh, opening day for the Toronto Blue Jays Masters weekend. I mean, it, I am uh, shoot I am it happy. into my veins. Yeah, I'm going to be stapled to the couch this weekend, and I'm very fired up about that. Uh, that means I'll be ordering some DoorDash. And uh, well, I've used the app before, so I can't use the code Rundown DD. But if you've never used DoorDash, use the promo code Rundown DD. Gets you 25 percent off and no delivery fees off your first order. Ding dong, DoorDash. Hello, it's a Friday. We're feeling good. Uh, Let's start with this for fill in the blank. San Jose Sharks, uh, Doug Wilson announcing he's no longer going to be with the team. So the question is this. It will take blank years for the San Jose Sharks to get back into the playoffs. Jason? Oh, man. You got to give us the 8 to 10. Come on, you've been saying it forever. Uh, But dude, they're already they're already in. This is year four of eight. So um, I I could go ahead. I could argue that they're uh, I I, I would say four years, but obviously I I have a a family member that I don't want to have to miss the playoffs for the first (laughs) six years of his NHL career. So I'm going to I'm going to give them an extra one less year and I'll say three. Okay. I don't think the rebuild starts until they start getting rid of those contracts. Yeah, that's very And you though? Well, Vlasic's the interesting one. Brent Burns is still playing very well. Brent Burns is playing quite well. Yeah, I think Vlasic is, he's on my buyout targets list for the summer. I think. Cap hit next season of 3.7. Yeah. He's making seven. I don't know. I think you have to do it. It was interesting. I I spoke to Brad Hedekin about Vlasic. He thinks if Vlasic can improve his conditioning, he could, uh, he could, and I think Frank, because San Jose, now they might believe they can legit compete next year. Cause as a third pair, they don't have a lot of guys up for big contract extensions, right? They signed hurdle. They might be able to just keep Vlasic for one year. Say he is what he is. We know he's not a $7 million player, but he can help us in our third pair. And then it saves you the extra years of the buyout when you think that maybe you're done. So I wonder if they just hold off for another year on that. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm taking a look at the buyout numbers again. It doesn't really save them a whole ton on the buyout. Yeah. Obviously two extra years, but it doesn't, it's not crazy. So I think if you're going to do it, you just rip the bandaid off and how many 35 year olds find a way to improve their conditioning. I mean, <laughs> so what's not, your answer, Frank? To the my question. answer is like six, six. All right. Long rebuild coming for whoever is the new Sharks GM. Uh, The next question I got for you, looking at some of the non-playoff teams, but out in the Eastern Conference, the non-playoff team in the East that has the best chance of getting back to the playoffs next season is blank. Frank? New York Islanders. If you watch the way they've played over the last six weeks, eight weeks, all that we were missing was the wheels falling off of the Washington Capitals. If they did not go on a seven and O run, I am not convinced that the caps would have missed. They, they, they might've missed the playoffs and the Islanders might've snuck in. 
Well, the, the caps are, um, the years of being a great team are catching up with them. And, uh, yeah. I, I would, I would agree with the, uh, with the New York Islanders, although the NHL has become pretty offensive and it's, if you can't score, it's hard. So, you know, they got a bunch, I don't know where they're moving contracts out. I don't really understand what they're going to do there. So, uh, I'm actually going to go with someone different and I'm going to go with the surprise team and I'm going with the Buffalo Sabres. Yeah. You like okay. the drought to end. So I love the pick. I love the, the boldness of the pick. But tell me which of those teams in the Atlantic they're jumping over to get in next year. Well, maybe they're going to go crossover and be the fifth and Washington's out. Uh-huh. They're 30 points back of that. You're talking like a 33 point improvement next season. Something like that. 30 points. Get a well, goalie, also, a power shows up. Getting yeah, this this to play is the them. biggest gap we've seen, right? Yeah. In, in the Eastern playoffs from eight to nine. So, but that, um, but that's not the point. The point is where the Sabres are now. It doesn't matter what's what position they're in. It's sure. to get to 93 points next year, or 94, or 95, whatever it's going to take to get in. They're not going to be there. I, I well, mean, the, the season's not, not over. They're going to end up with 75 points. Teams have improved by 18 points. They're only 23 back of Washington right now. Huh? Only 23. <laughs> what? <laughs> My God. Uh, I, I would love to see it. Cause I think the, the NHL, when that Sabres fan base is engaged is so much better. It's, it's really a shame to see what's happened in Buffalo. Yeah, yeah. Well, they've, that was they've one set, of my favorite places to go cover a game because everyone was into it. They've quietly set the NHL record 11 consecutive seasons without the playoffs. So they, uh, so I hope that they get out, but I'm going Sabres, baby I'm going right. Sabres. Easy to go. Islanders. They've been in the conference final twice. Uh, all right. Uh, news this week that Ryan Getzlav is retiring at the end of the season. Matt Larkin did a bit of a deep dive over a daily faceoff about his hall of fame case. Your question, Ryan Getzlav is a blank ballot Hall of Famer. First, second, third. What you got here, Jay? Oh, man. It's a good question. Um, You'd have to know who else is on the ballot. Yeah, that's that's valid. Is that really what it'd come down to with Getzlav is how good the no, competition I don't, is? I, not for me, but if you were going to say second or third, your reasoning would have to be that there's just four really good guys ahead of him in that one year. I personally think he's a first guy, but I'm also jumping the order. Yeah. So you're taking him. Um, like I, I look at his numbers. He's not a point of game player. He, he scored 30 goals once, um, never scored a hundred. Uh, I don't think he's a first ballot hall of famer. I think he's a really good player, but I look at other guys who waited a long time. So who, who had better numbers than him. I, I think the fact that he's an Anaheim duck and uh, some people are going to, Oh, you know, we got to get a duck player in. That's going to help him. But uh, I will say he's like a, third not that it matters at the end of the day when you're a hall of famer you're a hall of famer but to me he's not like a stone cold lock so i don't have him as a first he's won so much and i I did the same thing with Corey perry in my head and Corey perry you could argue had more individual success because he had the individual awards right yeah he had the heart heart. Um, but almost every guy ever that's gotten a heart has gotten in i'll bring up this to you guys um rarely did we hear about oh this guy won the canada cup well, the Canada Cup is no different than the Olympics at the end of the day, right? The Olympics gets talked about a lot now by a lot of people. It was never brought up before to get on the best team. And trust me, Canada is still the best team. To be on that team shows you're a good player. But there was guys who were on the Canada Cup teams that were very good players on their individual teams that didn't that weren't sure fire Hall of Famer guys. So sometimes I think we overlook or overblow the Olympic. Oh, you're on Canada's Olympic team. Well, there's guys that are on the team that, you know, it's still the we're talking like 14 games of a career. Right. 14 games of a career. The guy played 1150. Like but it's getting such a there small means you're yeah, one of the, the best thing, players to in there, your conference, yeah, right? To get there and to do it over a span of four years, like to do it twice is yeah. that means you're one of the very best and maintain that standard for a stretch of time. And I think that's the other mark on Getzlaff's career. It wasn't just the points. It's also the style of game. Like he was really one of the premier power forwards in the game for a long time. And so it wasn't necessarily the point total. And he had some fantastic years. Um, I also look at his playoff track record as well and how many deep runs the Anaheim ducks went on, you know, obviously he had that Stanley cup early in his career as a 21 year old, but 
to finish with 120 points and 125 playoff games. Yeah, he was good in the playoffs. You're right. I'd, really good in the playoff playoffs track on record. a team that went to the conference final or or better a lot. Yeah, I got. Hey, I'll, I'll look at his playoff numbers more than the Olympics. That's all. I just think sometimes overrate being on Canada's Olympic team because usually they win. Fair enough. All right, uh, let's wrap this up with a points bet bonus question here. Points bet Ontario or points bet is live in Ontario. Download their app, check it out. They got a nice little, uh, they got a nice little welcome bonus for you as well. The Blue Jays start the season. I'm fired up about that. I'm sweating out. I need Justin Thomas to make the cut at the Masters. Uh, Corey Connors, I got some money on him. The good Canadian boy. I'm loving it. If you're out in Ontario, play along with Points Bet Canada. Uh, Frank, you liked when we did this game on the Daily Faceoff show, so I'm bringing it to the rundown. Two truths and a lie. I have oh, I three. It. I have three stats in front of me. Two of them are true. One of them is false. So here they are. Number one, Connor McDavid leads the NHL in three-on-three goals with four. Number two, Kale McCarr leads the NHL in three-on-three points by a defenseman. And the last one, Jonathan Huberto leads the NHL in three-on-three points overall with six. One of those is a lie. One of them is not a true stat. One of you, who wants to go first? I'll just open the floor. I, I will go and I'm going to say Connor McDavid leads with three on three goals with four. Jay, which yeah, one do you think is the lie? You think it's the McDavid one? Yeah. It is not. It is actually the Kale McCarr stat. Kale McCarr does not lead the NHL in three on three points by a D man. That number or that honor, I suppose, belongs to three guys. Chris Letang, Zach Wierenski, and Gustav Forsling have the most Forsling. three on Forsling. Most Gustav. three on three points by a D-man. That, that should have been the question. Which, oh, Gustav, yeah. I love it. Uh, I never Connor would have McDavid. Like Connor you McDavid could have given me have 15 minutes to, with, without looking online to say who is tied with, the, with those two. Who's the third guy? I don't think I would have guessed Gustav Forsling. So good for Gustav. Uh, yeah, Jonathan Huberto leads the way with six points in three on three. McDavid, Larkin, and Ben all have five points, and McDavid has four goals. Only three others have three. It's Line, Hurdle, and Larkin. Um, so there you go. There's your three on three stat rundown to wrap up another edition of Fill in the Blank delivered by DoorDash. <laughs> I love it. Uh, hey, speaking of uh, scoring today, Frank, on the rundown, we are going to be joined by Bernie Nichols, who is in uh, a few very exclusive categories. Love it. Let's do it. Today on the rundown, uh, excited to be joined by a player who is in uh, very unique Categories. He was the 73rd overall pick in 1980. Turned out to be a pretty good pick. Ended up playing over 1,100 games. Also is one of only eight players to have scored 70 goals in a season. One of only four players to ever score 70 goals and 150 points in the same season. Bernie Nichols joins us on the rundown. Bernie, how you doing? I'm doing great, guys. How are you guys doing? Hey, we're pretty good, man. We're excited to have you on. 70 goals, 150 points. Holy cow, you must have had a good year. So uh, I thought you'd be one of the great guys to have on talking about chasing milestones. And, you know, you uh, we, we were talking, telling us just before how you you had to, you were very close uh, to 50 and 50 as well. So let's start there. How much pressure were you feeling internally or maybe even externally as you were chasing that 50 and 50 marker? Yeah, you know, I never really felt pressure as far as having to get it. I was more excited about trying to get it, uh, if that makes sense. So um, it, it would have been great. I end up doing it in 51 games. Uh, and then obviously you're playing with Gretz too, right? Like he's done it all. So uh, for me to try to do something that he's done or, or something like that was more exciting than anything. So, yeah, you get 50, uh, 50 and 51, which is remarkable. And then the season just keeps going, Bernie. And like, you know, you had had 100 point seasons before, but like to go from 100 to 150, like that's a massive jump. Right. And so what went right in 1988, 89 for you, where, you know, you had one of the greatest single season careers and single seasons in NHL history. Like uh, the obvious uh, answer, that is everything. You know, and, and the, just the excitement of playing. Uh, we've been talking here. My fiance is a huge Leafs fan. And 
we're watching Austin all the time, right? And I just said to her the other night, like, do you know how much fun that kid's having? Because it, it's just so much fun to play. And, and you can see it out there, right? When when they're playing. And and for me, that whole year, uh, probably the greatest thing about that year was just playing with Wayne. Uh, everything else was a bonus, even though scoring 70 goals or 150 points, but just the excitement and the fun that you, you couldn't wait to get to the rank every day. Um, the excitement, uh, the joy of playing, it was just, it was just so much fun. And, uh, and that's what's happening. And it's like, you're scoring at will, uh, which isn't really the case, but it's like, <laughs> it felt like that, right? Like it was just, it was just so much fun. So, um, that, that, that was probably the best part of the whole, the whole deal. I'm glad you picked up on the fun that Austin Matthews seems to be having because, you know, it does feel or look like his goal scoring comes so easy to him. But I was going to ask during a season like that, when you're going through it, are you also feeling any pressure at all? Like some guys, when they get close to milestones or things begin to pile up, do you, do you think about it a little bit more? How does it work? Well, uh, not really other than maybe the, to, to get 70, right? Like to get 50 is so much better than 49 or 60, so much better than 50. So that kind of, there was some excitement that night for sure. Uh, so I scored my 70th goal in an empty net and I had the puck probably at the, uh, the top of the circle, the face-off circle, empty net with just a, a guy laying down with a stick. And I, I couldn't, I couldn't feel my hand. I couldn't, like, I just kind of fanned on it. Like I just, I was so nervous to, to shoot. I got the whole empty net and I missed it. And I thought, Oh shit. Or, you know, so, uh, so when it came around the next time I got it, just got over our blue line and I slapped the puck as hard as I could, or, or it felt like that in the middle of the net, you know? So Obviously, and I'm sure he was feeling some heat too. You could see last night when he scored the excitement. It was so much better than uh, the 54th goal, the 50th goal, the one that to break the, the Leafs all time record. You could just see the excitement that went out of that kid and the, the pressure that just kind of uh, left him there. He was, it was pretty special for him. Well, I'm, I'm glad you you told the story about the empty net because for whatever reason, people made a lot of Matthew scoring 50 for the first time in, into an empty net. And I'm like, they all count the same. And by the way, to score an empty net goal, your coach has to trust you to be out there late. So there's something to that, but at least you're honest in telling us the story and how you hit 70, that it was on an empty net. That's right. Yeah. Um, they're obviously they're easier to get, but they're every bit as important as the other one. Uh, like you said, your coach has the, you know, the faith in you to, to go out and do the job defensively. And if something comes in the other end, then that's obviously a bonus. So, and, and that's no different with him. Uh, and, and that might, might have been different just because it was in Toronto. They want him to get it in Toronto. Uh, so to put him out there for him to get it there was, it was so much better for the fans and, and for him to get it there than uh, on the road. Now, Bernie, um, the milestone for you, you mentioned the empty netter, but you, you didn't mention humbly that you had a hat trick in the final game of the season and five points to get to 70 and 150. Now, you mentioned that you played with Wayne Gretzky. Gretzky scored five goals when he broke the, uh, you know, 39 and 50. So, I, and I know Wayne Gretzky. I, I'm guessing he was as excited for you to say, okay, we're going to get you to these milestones. But take me through that last game. You're taking on Vancouver. I looked at, you had 12 shots. Like, what, did it, Wayne say to you, you're getting 70 tonight? Like, was there a conversation before the game? Well, he, he never mentioned that, but I, I know Wayne was was hoping for it for sure. Um, that was our 70th ninth game. We weren't going to play the 80th game. It was in Vancouver. We played at home that night in LA. The next night was, uh, or two nights later, was going to be our, our last game in uh, Vancouver. So it, it was exciting for me. I thought about it all day, and shooting was never an issue. The, the thing about that whole year was the coach, uh, Robbie Fatorik, told me he wanted me to shoot more. And for me, uh, I was, I felt I was more of a passer, right? Like I'm playing with Luke Robitaille. I, I'm trying to get him the puck. And, uh, 
but he told me to shoot. So I shot, I, I set a record that year for most shots by a Kings player. I, I think I had well over 400 shots on goal that year. So, uh, it wasn't a, I, I had no problem shooting, especially that night with when I know I needed three goals for 70, uh, I was going to shoot and, um, you know, I got one, I think, I don't know when my first one was, but I remember getting the one in the second period to, to get to two. So I knew there was a good chance. I knew every time, which was funny. And I think a lot of goal scorers feel this way. I felt when I had two goals, I, I always felt there was a good chance I was going to get the third one. Not that I had the time, but as a, a goal scorer, you feel that. And at definite time, and I had lots of chances, as you say, I had 12 shots, but uh, to finally get it was was really cool. And Gretz was out there. I never played with Wayne that year. We were both centermen, but I played a lot. Power play. We killed penalties together. And, you know, we were out there a lot together. I know he was out for the empty netter uh, with me. So that was really cool. And, and I like that you brought that up, Bernie, because I think one of the bis- biggest misconceptions is when they see 70 goals, 80 assists, 150 points, people thought you played with Wayne, but I'm like, well, Bernie was a center. Like, I, I know you played on the power play. I saw, I was looking through the, the goal sh- chart, but like, you and Wayne obviously played a little bit of shifts, you know, every now and then it seemed at five on five, but not a lot. So how, like, what do you credit that to for, for you to, to explode that much when it wasn't because of Wayne Gretzky. And I think it's important for people to know that because, you know, and, and not to, not to downplay Wayne, of course, but right. you, you weren't riding on the coattails of Wayne Gretzky on the way to 150. Well, I, I killed penalties with Wayne and I had eight shorthanded goals. That was pretty cool. Um, and obviously the power play, um, you know, I do give Gretz most of the credit. Uh, like one thing, you know, that I, what was really cool about Wayne is uh, I always like to hopefully our line would uh, come after Wayne's because first time I ever heard this uh, as a, a forward, Gretz would take the first guy off the ice. So if it was a left winger, he'd take him. If it was a right winger, take him. Right. So I always stayed late anyways. And uh, Luke would stay on, but Dave Taylor would always come off quick. Okay. And so, Hopefully, if, if uh, I know Gretz's lines behind us and Wayne's going to come on, so you're going to get a, a pretty good shift with Wayne, anyways, right? So <laughs> I did play with Wayne a lot, um, and you know I've said this different times with a- any great player. You, you always want to. Uh, it feels like you always do your best, or, or you know, for that guy. And 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 it was no no different with me, right? Like you obviously want to play well for yourself. You want to play well for the team, but. For some reason, well, not for some reason, the obvious reason, everybody wanted to to do well for Wayne. And uh, and I did. And, and I enjoyed it. I, I hung with Wayne every day uh, that that year, like every day. And and I, I tell people this day, like, I hate McDonald's right now because every day for lunch, Wayne would say, let's go for lunch. I say, yep. And he loved McDonald's. So I laugh about that now because every time I see McDonald's, I always think of Wayne and, and I'm not stopping. I'm going right by. <laughs> That's a true story. He would eat at McDonald's. He, Gretz loved McDonald's. And, and in Culver City, where our practice rink was, like 200 yards up, up from the practice rink was McDonald's. And, you know, when Gretz says, let's go for lunch or let's go wherever you're going. And we went to McDonald's a lot. That's the perfect segue to my next question, because (laughs) the game has changed so much. Like young guys now, a lot of them don't even drink, not one beer, not one drink. Uh, They're so concerned about what they're putting into their bodies. Definitely not McDonald's, maybe once a year. Um, But Wayne always says his appreciation for how tough it is to score now. Obviously, you're someone that still watches the game closely. What is your appreciation like for these guys and, and what they're accomplishing, you know, given how much the game has changed, how the goalies, their equipment, they're much bigger, everything that goes with it? Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm kind of a little on the fence with that. Um, just because, like, 100% goalies are, are, are bigger, better. Um, but to be honest, like, to me, it's shinny hockey out there. It really is. Guys don't don't pay a price. Like I got my my thumb broken, my one finger broken, my other finger shattered from slashes. You know, you, you can't touch a guy 
today. You can't put your stick on another guy's stick. It's a penalty. Like I, I watched them play. And like I said, I watch the Leafs all the time. No one touches Marner or Matthews. No one like we used to get the shit beat out of us uh, going in front of the net. Like I still got welts on my, my arm from cross checking guys, breaking their sticks over your, your arm or slashing in the hands. Like, I know it's not, the penalties. Guys have more five on threes. Guys who have a five on three more in one year than I had my whole career. Like Gretz and Mario, would you ever like to see them play in today's game with five on threes? Like they, they would, it, it'd be ridiculous. So as much as goalies are, are better, I, I, I don't necessarily say it, it's tougher to score because they don't pay a price. You, you can go stand in front of the net today's game and no one touches you i remember back in the day guys wear flap jackets and and stuff because guys cross check you and beat the hell out of you in front of the net like pronger and darian hatcher like it was it was a nightmare i i wouldn't go there <laughs> let me put it that way i wouldn't go in front of the net because you <laughs> just they just wail on you that's a but, really fair point but so as a student of the game or as someone that's a fan of the game what what version do you like better to watch? Oh, I love today's game. Um, you know, because you can't clutch and grab. Uh, you can't, like, we go, as soon as you step over the blue line, those big defensemen just grab a holy and pin you. Like, I love it today. Uh, being a, an offensive guy, like, guys are out there freewheeling, uh, skating around. Um, it's fun to watch. It's fun to watch those boys in Toronto there, like, I could watch Matthew. I could watch uh, Connor McDavid all day long. How how skilled they are, and and just watch put that on display all day. Like the five on three to me, or the three on three in overtime. Like there's not. I, I would love to play that back in the day. Like that is so much fun to watch. Like so today's game's amazing to watch. These, these kids are so talented. Uh, it, it's a lot of fun to watch. Now, Bernie, I want to go, you know, you, you get drafted by the Kings, you, you know, you play through the Kings, uh, you have that unbelievable season. Then the next year you're traded after, I think it was 47 games. And, you know, you were, yeah, you're off to another great year. Take me back. So that's the first time you're traded. Were you surprised? What happened surrounding that deal from you going from the, from the Kings to the Rangers? Yeah, I was actually just devastated. Uh and, you know, I say this to, to a lot of people, like not so much being traded. Uh, it's the fact that like, I couldn't imagine what it'd be like to play with Wayne for five, 10 years. Right. Like, obviously what I did in one year was amazing. So like that, that's what hurt the most is uh, not being able to play with Wayne. Right. So it started in the summertime. Uh, I just had my, my big year and, and I went to the owner, Bruce McNall, and I said, look, I wanted to buy a house. It was a million dollar house in 90 or 89, 90. And, uh, and he said, yeah, absolutely. He said, I'll never trade you. Right. And, and I thought that I just signed a big deal. So I just wanted to, I was going to put down roots and, and be there and I'll never trade you. So we're at the all-star game in, in, uh, Pittsburgh and Mike Vernon after the skills competition on Friday night, Mike <laughs> comes up and he said, I heard you just got traded. And I said, what the, are you, you talking about traded? I, I wasn't traded. And sure enough, I went and seen Bruce McNall and he said, yeah, just trade to the Rangers. And, you know, I think, uh, like Gretz never had anybody to play with in, in LA. Like, uh, I ended up playing with, Luke and Dave Taylor, the two best players there. And for some reason they didn't match with Gretz, I guess. So they needed someone, obviously you got greatest player, you know, ever to play the game and he doesn't have anybody to play with. So they had to get someone to play with Wayne. And I guess I was the, the one they wanted. So uh, that's how, that's what happened. So Bernie, you actually ended up switching all-star teams that weekend from the West to the East. Is that right? No, I, end, I still end up playing, uh, for the, for the West. Uh, I didn't, I didn't go to new, uh, to the, to, to the East and I, I waited till after. So 
but I, you know, Brian Leach was there, who I, was my new teammate, which was pretty cool. But I still played. Uh, I still played for the West. So you know, that's that obviously devastating. You go to the Rangers, and you know they, they were just kind of starting to build, and obviously they won the Stanley Cup. Uh, I think it was four years later, but. Did you ever really, you know, you had a full season, you're a point of game player the next year in 91 with the Rangers, and then you played one game the following year and got traded uh, to the to the Edmonton Orders. Um, you know, so you're bouncing around all of a sudden, Bernie, after having roots in L.A. Um, tell me, because you're in Edmonton for a year and a bit, then you get traded again to the New Jersey Devils. And, you know, you had a stretch with Edmonton, New Jersey, and Chicago where you went three consecutive years or four consecutive years to the conference final. So you're yeah. on successful teams every time, but you were bouncing around. Did you get used to it or was it frustrating always getting moved? Um, I think... The first one's the the one that hurts, right? Uh, yeah, there was two that I went on my own. Uh, so I go to New York, and if you get traded, uh, you get to go to original six teams. So I, I tell people, playing Madison Square Guards, play for the Rangers was was really pretty cool. Uh, the next time, like you said, we, we just played in Boston, and, and same thing, right? So now I'm in in. Edmonton or I'm in New York. I'm about to have twins. So I, I talked to Neil Smith, the GM there. Uh, same thing. I'll never trade you. Right. <laughs> so, so now I buy another house in, in New York. Uh, and that's obviously not very, uh, cheap there either, but, um, opening morning or opening game, we play in Boston uh, Roger Nielsen calls me up like seven 30 in the morning or something. And, and you're still asleep. So you're not even thinking anything, but now it's Mark Messier. So I guess if you got to get traded for somebody, uh, <laughs> you get traded for Mark, I guess you can accept that. But it, that was tough. But you know, I, I tell people too, right. As a Canadian boy, you got to play in Canada somewhere. Right. So as, as tough as this get traded again, to go to Edmonton was, it was something special just because being a Canadian boy and, and playing in Canada was, was really good. And, uh, the, the kind of the, the cool thing about that is, uh, who do we meet first round in the playoffs is the Kings. Yeah. And they got Gretzky, they got Curry. Uh, I don't know if Grant Fears there, they Charlie Huddy, uh, Marty, like they got half the Oilers there. And, uh, so we played them first round and we ended up beating them in six games. Uh, I had a really good playoffs and, and we did, we went to 70 finals that year, uh, Chicago beat us and then, uh, uh, Pittsburgh beat them. But, you know, that was, that was pretty, pretty neat to go play in Edmonton and, and have the success that we had. And then, you know what, after that, and, and I know uh, Glenn did that because they were rebuilding and he gave me an opportunity, uh, to go to, uh, New Jersey. So, uh, that, that was pretty nice of Glenn. And we did, we had a great team there too. Marty Bordeaux's first year, uh, Scott Niedemeyer, uh, Scotty Stevens. So, uh, I, I did play for some good teams. Bernie, how did your game change and evolve as your career went on? Well, I think, uh, the biggest thing, you know, when I went to, to New York, we all know, like who didn't love playing in that spike division, right? Like our, our games were eight, seven, <laughs> nine, five, right? Like it was just wide open. And then you get to New York and, you know, Roger Nelson there. Um, it's a three, two league, two, one, a lot different, a lot tighter checking. Uh, more physical, probably, um, you know, Roger, it wasn't like in, in LA, like we'd be on two minute power play. We'd play the whole time. Right. And Roger kind of had it. He, he never put like three guys, three skilled guys together. He'd always put maybe a couple men, like a, a checker or something like that. So, um, your, your role has, has changed from being more of a offensive player to, more of a two-way uh, split in your time on the power play. So 
uh, your offensive numbers would not be as big there. Same, same as in uh, New Jersey with Jacques Lemaire, right? Like it was at more of a defensive style of a game, which is fine. Uh, I enjoyed that. Uh, as a player, you want to be known as a two-way player. Uh, just that offensive side's a little bit more fun to play. So Bernie, uh, tell us what you're up to now. Well, uh, do a lot of, uh, I still do a lot of charity, uh, events. I still love playing hockey. Uh, I do fancy camps. I was supposed to do Mario's fancy camp uh, a week ago, but ended up getting COVID. So I couldn't go. Uh, I do a lot of hunting in the fall, uh, play a lot of golf. Um, I haven't, I, I worked for the Kings in 2012 or 13 when they won the cup. So, so that was fun. Uh, but other than that, it's just, uh, do a lot more playing than, than anything. Enjoy now, life. Uh, yeah. Sounds fun. Now, Bert, I want to go back to your rookie season, uh, with the Los Angeles Kings. You get your first recall in November. Uh, you played a game. Now, did you go back to the minors again or did you get injured? No. Um, which was funny. Uh, my first year and I should have made the team without a doubt, but, but I didn't. And, uh, so they sent me to, to new Haven. I get called up. I get called up to LA and I think Parker McDonald's our coach and, uh, we're, we're getting beat like five. Nine. I, I didn't play a shift. I just sat in the bench and even the crowd is, you know, yelling to play the kid. Like they can't do any worse than what you got. Right. Like, uh, we got beat five, nothing. And I, and I never had a shift and I don't know why. So I get called up again, uh, later in, uh, in, uh, Calgary played there a little bit, but then I, uh, ended up firing the coach and Don Perry came up from new Haven. This was in like March. Uh, or something. And then he, he called me up to play. And, um, I think I played like 20, 21 games or I played under 25 because, uh, I was a rookie the next year. I have like, I have three hat tricks at, uh, three in a row at home, uh, scored nine games in it's got my first goal. But then after that, it went pretty good. Well, yeah, I was looking at your stats. So it's funny because you it says on the NHL, your first official game is November 19th at Calgary. Because back okay. in the 80s, if you were recalled and you didn't step on the ice, you didn't get considered a game played, even though you were dressed. So that's, that's what right. happened to you. Because that's how Gary Unger, he told me the story. That's how he lost his Ironman streak. He didn't even get that's a right. shift. Like, God, that's yeah. still one of the craziest stories I've ever heard. But yeah. so you technically yeah. were recalled before. Then you come up, you play seven games in February and March. You don't score, but then you score 14 goals in your last 14 games of the year. You mentioned you had in a span of five games, you had three hat tricks uh, for goodness sakes. Um, you, you were always a goal scorer. Like you, you look you had 60 goals in, in junior, even in new Haven, you were lighting it up. But now did Parker McDonald just not like you? What, what was I, I have story? no idea. I think, you know, he just played his boys. Uh, and that's probably why he didn't last long as a coach, right? Like he had his, you know, triple crown line there. I don't know who, who else was there. Cause after that, uh, there was no reason for me not to play, but I, I don't know. I don't know if it was a money thing. I think I get sent down because of a money thing, because they just, they drafted Doug Smith that year as a first rounder. So he had to play there, which, he should not have been playing there ahead of me, but whether that was a money thing. So I, I don't know what happened. Like, I don't know how you can't play a kid uh, when you call him up, why you wouldn't play him one shift anyways. Like there's a reason why I got 43 goals down, down there in like 55 games or something. So, uh, and you need some goal scoring. So I'm not sure why you don't get called up, but I guess that, or you don't play, but I guess that's why the guy ended up losing his job. Yeah, he never coached again in the National Hockey League. So yeah, 
Uh, not dressing Bernie Nichols. That's what we're going to say. That's there why Parker go. McDonald, not dressing Bernie Nichols, <laughs> who is yeah. a 70 goal scorer. Uh, hey, some coaches look back and be like, hmm, I might've made a mistake. I might've, I didn't read the room very well That's at right. that time. Yeah. Uh, maybe. Uh, Jay, let's play a little rapid fire. Yeah. No, I'm going to get to that. Uh, Bernie and rapid fire, the only rule you have to answer the question. Okay. Okay, so uh, we like to start with a few easy ones. Uh, when, when Bernie Nichols uh, sitting at home relaxing, maybe watching a Leaf game, uh, what's your cocktail of choice? I don't drink. Okay, uh, no cocktail tea. can be non-alcoholic. Iced tea. Iced, Iced tea. tea. Okay. Yeah. Now, did you ever drink, Bernie? I did not. Oh, I think I was, was the only that... NHL player at that time that didn't drink. I, I was going to ask anybody that didn't. Yeah. Was it was it difficult in the eighties being in the NHL as as the only non-drinker? You know what? No, I, 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 I felt a lot better in the morning than, than most of our guys. Cause we didn't charter back then. And those six, seven o'clock flights. Uh, yeah, I felt good. So you never played guilty. Never. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, what impressed you most as a rookie in, in the NHL about Marcel Dion's game and how much did you know about him before he got to LA? I knew nothing about him, just how easy things came for him. He just, he was so gifted uh, offensively. Um, he was fast skater, great hands. You always say, you know, you learn when you play with great players and you obviously were a very gifted offensive player. What was the one thing you learned from watching or talking to Gretz that helped you as an offensive player? I can say, you know, the coolest thing Gretz ever said to me, and uh, this is kind of off a little bit. I, I, I never forget this. We're playing a game. He just come over to me, just tap me on the, the knee pads, just me quietly and just says, I need you tonight. And to this day, that's still the coolest thing that he, he's ever said to me, you know, and you just go, oh, shit, like you got it. I'm there. Right. <laughs> like it was awesome. Were you how long did it take you? to not be in awe of playing with the great one? I, I think, I think everybody is in awe of Gretz the whole time, just because of the things he does. I would say to people, expect the unexpected with Wayne. I could be sit, standing in front of the net and have four guys surrounding me and, and the pucks on your stick and you go, how the hell did that happen? Right. And so I don't think like playing with them, it was just so much fun for me. And that's why I was never nervous playing with them just because it was so much fun. And I knew I was going to get the puck, even though I, I wanted to pass it. I knew I was getting them from Gretz. And when I got it, I was shooting it. Now was your nickname, Bernie pumper Nichols? Yes. Bob Miller, uh, uh, named me that started in Edmonton, uh, in the playoffs that first year we scored, our first game, 10-8 playoff game. I scored a night game, the goal, the 10th goal of the night. And I went end to end doing the pumpernickel and Bob named me the pumpernickel. Oh, it's a pretty sweet nickname. Um, Bernie, you mentioned you went to McDonald's. What was, what was your order of choice when you and Wayne were having lunch at McD's? It was a Big Mac. Always? Yeah. Yeah. How healthy did you eat in the eighties and did your diet change in the nineties? Uh, definitely not healthy. I would eat one of those little uh, things of ice cream every night at, <laughs> when I played, like uh, I, I was bad with the junk food desserts, love desserts. Uh, it wasn't good. It's still, uh, it's better now, but I could show you my girl and I, our little cubby hole up there. We got like uh, chips and, you know, some chocolate, a little bit of everything there. So it's still, it's better, uh, but it's, it's not good. Bernie, you're talking to the man here, buddy. I am a yeah. sweet tooth junkie. So yeah. I got a lot of respect for this. So what is Bernie Nichols? You get one sweet, only one. What is Bernie Nichols eating? It'd be, uh, Oh, probably, probably ice cream, something with butterscotch or caramel. Uh, yeah, 
there's so many different things just to pick one. Um, there's a dessert at the keg that's out of this world. Uh, <laughs> something with ice cream or, or caramel on it for sure. Oh, I love it. A true junkie. Yeah. You can't even pick one. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Uh, when you, which NHL team that you played for had the best pregame meal? Well, you know what? They were all the same. We always had uh, pasta, chicken, and steak, salad. But then you had the ice cream for dessert. And, you know, you got the berries on the ice cream, butterscotch, a little chocolate sauce. So they're all the same. I had that every day, every game day. It was pasta. I always had steak instead of chicken. But I hit that dessert hard. Bertie, you mentioned, you know what, that you played with Gretzky, you played against Messi, you played against Gretzky and Edmonton. As a center, which of the elite centers was the toughest one for you to defend? I always say uh, my fiercest competitor, and I have more respect for him probably than anybody, and I played against him the most, was Mark Messier. Edmonton, I was in L.A. We played Edmonton all the time. When I was in New York or New Jersey, when we played that series against the Rangers, that uh, I got mess. And as much as I love mess as a player, as a person, God, I hated playing against him. He was tough. Yeah. Did he you get a great too? Did, I don't did know you if you, a- you remember early in his career, he was mean. Oh, <laughs> thank God when he, he started scoring goals because then he, he didn't play is mean he may have been a little dirty too at times i I don't think uh he's gonna be upset with me saying that but uh he he was he was awesome and uh great in face-offs just a tough just oh man mess was uh my fiercest by far did you ever get a messy elbow oh absolutely yeah and i'll never forget too uh and i can't really say it but we were playing in, in New Jersey. Oh, you can say playoffs. it. You can say it. Yeah. And we we're behind the net and I kind of gave him a shot. He says, you're fucking with the wrong guy. <laughs> 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 I never said anything, but I, I just kind of, you know, I knew what he meant. <laughs> I was. Yeah. Well, Bernie, yeah. thanks so much for joining us. Uh, it's great to hear you. You're doing well. Congratulations on, on your engagement. And uh, it sounds like uh, you and your fiance are huge uh, sports fans still and watching the games and the, and the playoffs uh, should be fantastic. So thanks so much for joining us. Give a little bit of insight on uh, on being an elite goal scorer and point getter in the NHL season. Well, I appreciate you having me, guys. Anytime. That was fun. Bernie Pumpernickels. That's a sick nickname, Frank. I knew you were going there at some point. I was like, he's getting asked about the Pumpernickel. Oh, how can you not, though? That was a Bob Miller. He's a beauty, man. Uh, we talked about Rick Jennerette recently. Some great calls. Mayday, Mayday. Well, uh, Pumpernickels, a pretty good one. And, you know, it's, it's interesting about Bernie Nichols, man. You score five points in your last game of the year, knowing that you don't get to play in the 80th game. Like, I do wonder, and I should have asked him, but I, I remember talking to him one other time, and, and they were determined, the coaching staff, we're not playing in Vancouver for that 80th game. So, you know, he might've ended the season with 69 and I like what he said, you know, 70 is that much better than 69. And I'm sure Austin Matthews will want to get to 60. Just like, I think, I think Steven Stamkos said that last week, yeah. he said, uh, getting to 60, you know, you're at 59 and you want to get there so bad. Yeah. So it's definitely, uh, some interesting insight. What'd you make of his comments about how much more difficult it might've been to score goals then? I think that's the one part of the argument that you know, maybe I glossed over or overlooked over the years because you look at the highlights and it's just, it's a totally different game. The goalies look so different. They're so small. The pads are so small. They seem to be all over the ice. Like it just looks like a different game. Well, there was a picture the other day on social media, and I don't know if you saw it, um, Tampa Bay, and there was four photos. There was Vasilevsky in the one photo, and he's standing there and, you know, he's shredded. He's a thin guy. And then there's a picture of Vasilevsky, the goalie. And I'm like, like, did they inflate them? Like, what's happening here? The goalies are definitely bigger and, you know, they play a different style. So I know people say the goalies are better. They're stylistically better, right? Because of the butterfly and it takes away the bottom of the net. But now you're seeing guys beat them upstairs because kind of back in the 80s, you'd score on the ice because goalies were standing up. I, I really respected what Bernie said because because I agree. I think we you throw in the fact that they didn't get to fly commercial, Frank. Um, you know, so you're up, you're at six in the morning, you're flying out the next day. They're, they weren't getting these luxury flights like they are now. There's lots of different elements. And so um, the, are the goalies better? Sure. But 
ask Craig Simpson and different guys the coaching like that. is so much better though. Like everything yeah. about it, it's a lot. Well, they I have think video it's way harder right? to score. That's now. an advantage for sure. Right. Um, but I also think they put in more time. Like you look at the power play percentages of teams today, Frank are much better than, than the, or like when you got into the nineties, right. The, even though there was tons of goals there, there wasn't teams with 26 and 28% on the power play. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's an interesting debate. I, I thought he would say right away it's harder to score now, and and I I just was surprised that he didn't. Yeah, I like what he had to say. So that's why I have to get Bernie back on again. He was a beauty. He's a, clearly a big hockey fan, and he had quite the illustrious career, man. Eleven 1, hundred points, twelve twelve hundred points, excuse me, eleven 1, hundred games. Still fifty third all time in goals. Yeah, one of the, one of the underrated like elite offensive guys, I think, in the NHL. Like when people talk about great scores, like he had some really good years, and obviously one of the greatest years ever. So uh, lots of fun, and Frank, lots going on this weekend. Uh, we will see some teams getting closer to punch their ticket all the time to the playoffs, and the. And the seeding race in the East, man, that and then the, the race for, I guess, the third in the Pacific, but more so probably the wild card in the West. Thanks for listening to the DFO Rundown with Cervalli and Gregor. Keep it locked on dailyfaceoff.com and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. Delivered by DoorDash. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special coming your way this playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. And let me tell you, it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal. Every playoff game day, you're going to be faced with four questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle. And here's a sneak peek into some of those questions we'll be firing your way. First up, you got to pick the winning team. That sounds simple, right? But there's more. You got to decide if the total amount of goals in the game will be over or under a certain amount. And that's where the real strategy starts to kick in. Next up, you're picking who's going to find the back of the net first. And you're going to want to be careful because that's one that could be cooked early on in the game. And finally, you got to predict which period is going to be the highest scoring. Will it be a barn burner in the first, a shootout in the second, or a nail biter in the third? That's up to you to decide. Now let's talk about prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? For the daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards to treat yourself to some fresh nation gear, and you might even win a jersey from your favorite team. And for the big dogs, those who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. Play now at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess.